My name is Nathan. My wife, Christina, are here with you today. My kids, um, they're probably going beyond in your, in your classrooms today. I apologize for any destruction or craziness they create, but uh, I love them. Kayla and Justice, they're, they're, they're happy to be here as well. And so, yeah, again, I'm just so thankful to be here. Um, man, what a special day to be here. There's no greater table to be at than the Lord's table, so I'm just honored that uh, I got to be here and break bread with you in that way um, and take the Lord's cup, take the bread. So thank you so much for inviting us into that um, intimate uh, exercise with you guys. And so the gospel has already been preached. I feel like my job is pretty easy, right? Um, the, the Lord's body, the Lord's blood has been shed for us. So, man, thank you so much for inviting us here today. Um, I was going to use today as an excuse to wear my Go Beyond t-shirt um, to church who doesn't like wearing t-shirts to church, right? Amen, right? But uh, my wife decided she was going to come along with me for this journey, so you get the collar. Um, she wasn't going to let me uh, wear a t-shirt to church, but I got some Go Beyond swag, and so I got uh, some cool Go Beyond t-shirts here. I was told to uh, exercise my Pennsylvania arm and throw these out to the crowd, but who wants a Go Beyond t-shirt? Guys excited about Go Beyond? Chris? Over your head. See, that's... See, I just had to, I had to throw it harder because I had to show everybody here that I had a good arm. There's one. There's also some Go Beyond swag out in the lobby. I brought a bunch of other t-shirts. So if you didn't get one, you want one. I, got a bunch, I brought a bunch of Go Beyond t-shirts that are out there. Uh, feel free to take them and wear them and support the efforts of, of Go Beyond. Um, but yeah, I have heard some great things about what you guys are doing here with Go Beyond and your participation in it. And I've heard some great things about what you have done this year with the citywide cleanup or the city cleanup and the, the bottle drive. That is, that is really cool. My wife and I were just saying, we should do that at our church, right? Our kids' ministry is always looking for something to do unique every year, and we're always looking to be strategic with how we impact our community. So I think we might steal that one. That's a great, great idea. And so I've heard, though, that Go Beyond for you is much like it is for us. It's a way for you to love on your community and be an example in your community for what? For the purposes of seeing some, if not all, come to faith in Jesus. That's the goal, right? It's not works. It's not um, just doing things in and of themselves. It's, it's giving you an opportunity to share the gospel. So with so much at stake, I'm going to share a little bit about today, about what it means to go beyond just having go beyond as like this calendar event, something that you just check the box, right? And how you live a go beyond lifestyle. That's what it's about. It's about going beyond. That's why we call it Go Beyond. It's not just a day. It's not just a week or a weekend or a month. It's going even beyond that. It's going beyond the moment, going beyond the event. It is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. So how do we as the church, and the question I have before you today, how do we as the church persist in this? Or how do we as the church accomplish this? Well, this morning... I want to remind you, remind me, challenge us, challenge myself even, to remember that a go-beyond lifestyle should be woven into the fabric of who we are, right? We are doing good together, right? Harvest Lancaster, Harvest Fairfax, doesn't matter where you are. If we're doing good together, we have this lifestyle a part of our DNA. And so when we persist in doing good works, when we refuse to consolidate our good works down into categories or separate parachurch functions and make them central themes to our reputation, to our DNA, we then live this lifestyle. 
live a go-beyond lifestyle. We don't want them to be just events or things to fill our calendars. We have enough of that. We need this to be a part of our lifestyle. And so today, uh, if you have your Bibles, open them to Titus chapter 2. We're going to see in the book of Titus a struggling church. And we're going to see that they were struggling to unite and impact the world around them. And in fact, their disunity was allowing doctrine to be watered down and their households to be uprooted, as Paul told Timothy, uh, excuse me, Titus. And Paul reminds Titus to set these things in order. He says, look, I set you in Crete for a reason. I put you there for a purpose, to teach, to admonish, to set things in order, Paul says. And the reason was because their witness, their ability to affect the community through good works was being thwarted. And they were, not, they were getting to the place where they were unable to impact the world around them. And so we're going to see today in Titus chapter 2 how Paul admonishes Titus to, to get back to, to doing what he taught him to do. And he reminds them in Titus chapter 2 that salvation has brought these transformative benefits. And one of those benefits would be that the people of God would be passionate about their consistency and impact of the world around them. And so in Titus chapter 2, let's read together, verses 11 through 14. Paul says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Amen? What a great, great reminder. I think sometimes, even myself, we get caught up in the doing, get caught up in the work, get caught up in the um, everyday hurdles of life and forget what an amazing truth. I mean, we could just stop there and just bask in the reality that God brought salvation. We didn't, we didn't go on a journey and find it. It wasn't something we earned. God brought salvation to us, and it has appeared for all people. And Paul goes on to say, it's training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. How true is that message even today, right? I mean, you guys live in a very culturally diverse part of the world, right? I mean, how true is that today? The gospel has transformed our lives. What it offers is transformative. It changes everything. One of the other things that the gospel does is it reminds us, the salvation reminds us that we're waiting for our blessed hope, Paul goes on to say. That blessed hope is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself for what reason? And this is the, really the... The anchor of our message today. What reason? What reason? What is Jesus doing with your life? What is Jesus doing with our lives? What is Jesus wanting to accomplish with other people's lives? He's wanting to secure people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That zeal in the Greek is literally talking about a harmonious desire. We have a desire. We have a strong, passionate desire. We are seeking to be in harmony with. With what? With God and the work that he is doing. We desire to be in harmony with God and move in the same direction that he is moving. That's what, that's what our good works are. Our good works are, they should be heading in the direction God is heading. And we should have a zeal. We should want to unite our work with his work. It's the work that God says is good. 
It's not work that we say. It's the work that God says is good. Paul is telling Titus that Jesus has redeemed a people who will continually desire to align their works to head in the same direction God is moving. He's not talking about salvation here. He's not saying that when you work, you earn your salvation. He's not talking about, you know, you have to do works in order to secure your salvation. He's saying when you are saved, the thing that will identify you as the people of God who are zealous is your good work. People will be able to identify you. And what's at stake here in this text is that the people of God are becoming like gray matter. They're looking like everybody else in the culture, and they're not being identified by their good work. And so we do it, go beyond. We are desirous to see our good works be a light on a hill so that others can see them and so that we can share the gospel with them. We continually do good work together for the purposes of sharing the gospel and letting others have what we have. We want others to take the cup. We want others to experience the bread. We want others to be transformed just like Paul is talking about here. We want others to be removed from ungodliness and worldly passions and to be transformed like we are. And so our good works identify us. They allow us to be seen. It's the light on a hill, Jesus said. And so when we do good, when we are zealous to head in the same direction God is heading with our good works, with our baby bottles, with our cleaning of the trash, with our cutting of the grass, trimming of the hedges, serving of meals, putting shirts on people, providing clean water, when we do good work and have an opportunity to share the gospel, this is the heart of what Paul is talking about here. Zeal, passion, a fervor, a harmony, a desire to be in unity with God and heading in the same direction he is headed. Man, that's what Go Beyond's all about. And I hope and I've heard that's what your desire is as well. Amen? Amen. So how do we do that? How does, how does Go Beyond continue? How do we keep that in front of us? How do we keep that in front of us? How do we for, not forget that that's what Go Beyond is about and, and not allow it to be just an event, not allow it to be just something else that we do, another piece of trash we pick up, and forget that the goal is to get the gospel into people's hearts. Well, I have a couple things I want to share with you that allow us to always remember, allow us to be focused on what that, uh, what that should look like, and it allows us to stay working together. It allows us to stay in unity because and we got some distance between us, but we're in this thing together. We're in this mission together, right? And so I have three things that I want to share with you today. And so the, the, the go beyond lifestyle really just means that we just, do, like I said, we do good together. We are committed to this thing together. We're in it. We're in it together. Because Jesus said, right? Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. He didn't say he was going to build the church at Fairfax or the church at Lancaster. He said, I'm going to build my church for all time and all places until I decide to come home and get you. And so what do we do? Well, we do the mission. We're doing. We're doing the mission. So the first point in our message today is we actually do something. We're doing the mission. How? Jesus says this is how it should be done. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, go and make disciples. But he says, therefore, any good Bible college student or you know that therefore is therefore for a reason. He says, you can make disciples because I have all authority in heaven and on earth. It's a pretty audacious claim. Jesus says, I have all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth. So go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, 
Holy Spirit, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'll be with you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. So we have, we have the authority and we have the promise. And in between those two things, we have the command, right? He says, I have the authority. Here's the instruction, but don't worry. I won't leave you alone. And it's to go. It's to go do the mission. It's to go fulfill the mission. The mission of God is the church. The mission of God is the church. It's not brick and mortar. It's the building of the church. It's the, it's the saving of people's lives. It's you and I. We are the church. And so three simple ways we do the mission. You guys have heard this, right? This is part of your DNA. First thing we do is we worship. We worship. What does our worship look like? Well, Paul says it looks like this in Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Man, I love music. One of the most exciting things I look forward to every Sunday is coming in and listening to Pastor Brett and team and just waiting for the creative ways in which they bring us into the throne room and, and with all the talent we have at our church and the talent you have here, obviously, worship is a part of your DNA. Musical worship is a part of your DNA, but... Worship is more than a song. Worship is more than guitars and drums. Worship is more than just great lyrics. I remember this year in particular when I was giving the, uh, our, go, our uh, go Beyond Point people, our small group point people, the, the charge to go and do good. I said, look, you need to remind your people that the grass that you cut, the hedges you trim, the meals that you serve, the, the papers that you file, the trash that you, you know, all the things that you do this week, tell your people, remind your people that it is all worship. It is all worship. Don't forget that, right? Worship is, you know, all the things you're going to do this week, the, the, the meals that you pack, the bottles that you stuff, the diapers that you buy, it's all worship. It's all worship. We love God by loving people. And the loving people aspect of our, of, of our relationship with him is, is worship. We were all created to worship. I mean, I was a worshiper before I even knew God. I worshiped myself. I worshiped whatever I can get my hands on. I worshiped video games when I was a kid. I worshiped music as a, as a young teen. I worshiped the worldly lifestyle that I was giving myself over to. And as a believer in Jesus, now I worship Jesus. But everything that I do is worship. Everything that you do is worship. We were all created to be worshipers. We're created to worship. It's just a part of who we are. It's part of who God created us to be. We are worshipers. Right? So we worship together. Second thing we do is that we walk. Worship and we walk. Walk describes how we live and how we carry ourselves in our relationship with with the Lord. And we walk the same. We should walk the same, right? We should do things very similarly because we all are focusing our attention on this same book, on the same teachings, on this same Jesus. And so Paul says in Galatians that whenever you have an opportunity in, in uh, 610, he says, whenever you have an opportunity, do good, especially to those of the household of faith. We walk together. We walk with Jesus and represent him as we love on others and those that are of the faith and those that are outside the faith. This aspect of, of our faith is important to me, um, particularly because there was, there was a time when I didn't, I didn't walk with the Lord. I don't, know, I don't know what your testimony is. I know what my testimony is, and, and I was lost, like lost. 
I remember, I mean, everything I could own fit into a book bag. I remember living in, you know, all different types of apartments and, and uh, roommate situations. And I've been on my own since I'm 15, 16 years old. And I was lost, man. Like, you met me, you probably would look the other way and walk in the opposite direction. You didn't want to be in a dark alleyway with me. You didn't want to trust me with anything. Like, I was just untrustworthy. I didn't love anybody. I ruined relationships. I worshipped things that I could put my hands on. I just, I was in a bad, bad place. And so someone came along. Someone came along and loved me. And I was a, I was a drain on, this, on society, right? And now I benefit society. But I was a drain at one point. I don't know about you, but... But I was lost, and someone had to come along and, and love me and walk alongside me. But you know what? That was hard work. Six months, this gentleman shared the gospel with me, walked his, his life in front of me, and it took a long time. I mean, amidst the scrutiny and the ridicule and, and <laughs> all the names I could come up with to, to call this guy, I mean, he was weird. He was weird. Came to work with his Bible you know, sat in the, in the lunchroom and read it, talked to us about this Jesus, and I just, I thought that was strange. Like, how could, what, I don't, it was just so foreign to me. But he loved me. He, he saw fit to um, befriend me and love me and walk with me and share the gospel with me, and it didn't make any sense. But he loved God, and he loved me. Listen, loving God and loving others is not an either-or. It's a both-and. You actually fulfill the one by doing the other, right? He fulfilled his love for God by loving me, and that saw me in a really bad place, but it really was to my benefit because there was a time when I bend, bended my knee to Jesus, accepted the gospel, and it's radically transformed my life. I was, just as Paul said here, I was living in ungodliness, worldly passions, an uncontrolled, downright ungodly life. But salvation was brought to me through someone's worship, through someone's walking with Jesus, and then ultimately the work, right? We work. We worship. We walk. We work. It's plain and simple, folks. We were created to work, created with a purpose and an objective. You know, you can, you can it doesn't take long for a Google search to, to, to surface that there's a great tension between works and our faith, right? How much of it is is we work and how much of it is faith, right? Well, I'm here to tell you, and the scriptures are clear, that we are not saved by works. I, please, don't, mis, don't misunderstand me. We are not saved by our works. Paul says in Ephesians that it is through grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, period. God chose it. God created it. God did the work. God initiated it. You weren't looking for him. He was looking for you. He decided how it should happen. He decided Jesus should die. He decided Jesus should take the weight of, the, of your sin. He decided that there would be that moment where your heart would be fertile. The Holy Spirit would put the gift there and you would accept the gospel. Amen? It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. If you, let me tell you, if you could find it, if you could secure it, if you could create it, if you can manufacture it, kudos to you. Great. That is, I mean, that is, I mean, talk about the most amazing gift that's ever created. If you can make it, if you could create it, kudos to you, but unfortunately you can't. I can't. Nothing within us, no matter how great we are and how creative we are, we can't create salvation. We can't do it. We are dead in our trespasses. We are done. 
But that's okay. We're his workmanship. And I'd rather be so. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be his workmanship and not the work of my own hands because I've seen that, and that's not good. I've seen what my hands are capable of doing, and it's not good. Jesus did the work. But Paul goes on to say we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works so that we could walk in them. We could walk in them. And just like in Titus, Paul is urging the church in Crete to be consumed by doing good, for in it the church becomes an agent of change. You're an agent of change. Right? You're an agent of change. The church is an agent of change. I mean, you sing in this place, you worship in this place, you pray in this place, you hear God's word in this place, but it's what you do outside of this place that really makes this place a transformative entity, right? It's what you do outside of this place. It's when you're out... In the highways and byways of life, it's when you're rubbing shoulders with people that don't know Jesus. It's when you're picking up trash and delivering bottles and and doing all the things that your small groups are doing and serving other organizations and all the, I mean, going into places with book, I heard one of your elders is taking book bags into a really bad part of town and just delivering book bags because they love people. Like, you do that because you want to impact your community. You do that because these are the works that God prepared for you to do before Time even began. It's because he, God wants the church to be an agent of change. Paul goes on in Titus 3 and says, Let your people be devoted to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. If you have no plans for good works, if you have no plans to take what you do here out of here, you're unfruitful. You're unfruitful. But you're not doing that. You guys are committed to the work, committed to the mission, committing to seeing people's lives changed by the gospel. And so you worship, you walk, and you work. It's the doing of the mission. It's the doing of the mission. Coming to faith means that you are now reconciled to God and his mission. There's There's no alternative. We are instructed to be devoted and zealous for good works and live lives that go beyond. This is what unites us. We do worship a little different. We have different personalities as, as pastors and elders. We have different people groups that come to our churches. There's all di- kinds of different things that, that separate us or make us distinct, rather. But what unites us is the mission. So it's clear to me, and hopefully it's clear to you, that doing the mission of God is an imperative. And what we should be doing is what the Scripture calls good. Good. So living a go-beyond life is about doing the mission, but it's also about doing good. Doing good. That's our second point today. Doing good. Scripture says do good. Do good. All over the place. All over the New Testament. Jesus said it. Paul said it. It's all over the New Testament. We are called to do good. Matter of fact, Jesus says here in Matthew 5, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Good works. Let your light shine before others. They may never come into this building. They may never come to an event that you host. So you have to go. Your jobs, your spheres of influence, wherever you go, let your light shine so that they, who is they? The lost. The lost. They need to hear the message. They need to hear 
the gospel. They need to hear about Jesus' love, his holiness, his righteousness, his judgment. They need to hear. You need to go. You need to go. The goal of our good works is not about earning faith, securing salvation, or scoring points with the big guy upstairs. The goal of our good is clearly for the purpose of drawing others and others' attentions, and ours too, toward the glory of God. Right? That's what we're doing. We're mirrors. Our good works are just mirrors. They're reflecting the glory back to God. They're reflecting the glory back to God. We have seen Go Beyond become a part of our reputation at our church. And I know Go Beyond's a part of your reputation. I mean, you're in a school. I mean, you've got to have a good reputation. Right? I mean, to, have a, to be in a school, to be using a, a public facility to have your church, and you have to have a good reputation. I'm sure the school loves having you here. Right? So I know you have a good reputation in this community. But our reputation, the way we love our neighbors, the way we serve them, becomes a part of a, a go-beyond lifestyle. I, I know one year, um, so go-beyond for us used to not be called go-beyond. It used to be called In-N-Out Sunday. And so it started years and years ago as just this Sunday every year where we would just shut things down at the church and just go and serve, right? It's pretty standard stuff, right? And you go to any, most, any church in America, they have a serve day, a reach out day or something of the sort. But it was great. I mean, we, we canvassed the neighborhood. And we, if you've ever been to our church our, or our old building now, it, it was in a very tight-knit community. Um, we had like five parking spaces for a church that was like 400 people. So we parked in the streets around our neighborhood, which most of the neighborhood, I mean, they value their parking spaces. Like you, can, you know someone values their parking space in the wintertime because the plastic furniture, the benches, the trash cans become means of securing your parking space. Well, we took up parking spaces for years, right? And so we, one of the ways we loved in our community was to, through this In-N-Out Sunday, we would, we would uh, canvas the neighborhood. We would knock on doors and say, hi, we go to church over there. Can we do anything for you? And what do you mean? Well, can we cut the grass? Can we paint the shutters? Can we trim the hedges? Can we wash your cars or anything inside the house that needs to be done? And so for the, over the years, we, you know, we did all sorts of great things. I remember our small, when we started going to the church there nine years ago, one of the very first in-and-out Sundays, I remember we, uh, our small group served a woman who was medically unable to clean her own home, and she didn't throw anything away, and so it was, it was a really bad situation, right? It was unhealthy for her. It's unhealthy for anyone visiting her, and so we cleaned her entire house, and there was a lot of just really bad things that we helped her to, to work through, but one of the things that we did was we conditioned the neighborhood a little bit to, like, wait for In-N-Out Sunday. So you could, like, see, like, the hedges getting a little too tall, the paint just a little extra chippy. But they would, I mean, they loved it. I mean, we had, we had a good reputation. As a matter of fact, our reputation got so good. I'm not bragging here, so please don't uh, think that. But our reputation got so good in the neighborhood that the school down the street said, why don't you use our parking lot? Because it's obvious you don't have enough parking. So the school allowed us to use their parking lot every Sunday. They weren't using it, so we started using it. And so we just started to develop this great reputation in our, in our community. And this just thing evolved into something great and fantastic. And so now it's called Go Beyond. It's, just, it's kind of this own little 
um, entity within our church, but it's a part of our church. It's a part of who we are. Our, our small groups are all committed to it. And so I've come on as kind of like our, our small group champion, our point person for all small groups. And so every year, I help the 40-plus small groups in our church um, really kind of stay focused on Go Beyond, help them find tasks, make sure all their point people know all the important information about Go Beyond, and help to rally them together and keep them focused and and just really be a, a, a point person for them as they have questions and need information. But all that to say, you know, our, our good works, our doing good has evolved into something really great, right? We've seen it grow and grow and grow and grow. And so we're doing good. We're, we're trying to have a reputation of trust, of love, and hopefully have an opportunity to share the gospel and when possible, share the good news of Jesus with with others. And so we've seen small groups in our church establish long-lasting relationships with organizations and serve them year over year over year. We've even seen um, our local baseball stadium. I don't know what division they are. They're not a really great team, but they have a really nice stadium. It's pretty big. And one year they were so, like, interested in our food packing event that they said, you can have the whole facility for free. So we shut down the concourse. We used their entire concourse to pack meals and to um, you know, put these things on pallets and ship them across the world. And we even had a worship service in the park and put a stage out on the, on, on the uh, plate and had our worship service, our church service in the baseball stadium. But it was a reputation that we earned through doing good that allowed us to be a light to the community. So awesome. So awesome to see Go Beyond do that. We've seen money donated, hours pledged. The list goes on. I could talk about what Go Beyond has afforded us to do in our community. It's been great. We seek, but the catch is, though, we seek not our light or the light we create, but the light that Christ shines through us that will point to the glory of God. But here's the thing. Go Beyond and doing good actually requires work. It requires work, hard work, like physical work. Like we live in a world in a day and age where people don't want to even be served. Right? We've had organizations say, mm, what do you mean you're going to come and do work for nothing? Should we pay you? Should we, do you have, you know, just, it's odd. People are just taken back by it, and so they're apprehensive. We have legal systems to jump through, permits to get people to organize. It's work to get a citywide cleanup organized, right? It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. And so when the event finally happens, there's been a ton of things behind the scenes that have had to happen in order for it to get pulled off, but it's all work. It's all work. My, my small group has served the same organization now for two years, and uh, it's tough serving them. It's tough. Not because they don't want us to serve them, but because it's an organization that seeks to rescue women out of sex trafficking. It's a safe house. And so this house... The address isn't even on the mailbox. They don't want no one to know where they're at. They don't advertise nothing. And we can't bring our kids to serve because they don't want kids running around and they don't want women to see the kids triggers anything in their, in their lives. We have to have a host on site that like escorts us around, make sure that we're not going anywhere we shouldn't be. We have to give the names and birthdays and, and all the things of all the people serving that day. We can't have any more, any less than what we said we were going to come with. Just it's it's hard, it's tough, it's tough. But we we're called to be a light. We're called to be a light. So living a go-beyond lifestyle is about doing the mission 
It's about doing good. And finally, a go beyond lifestyle is about doing good together. Doing good together. It's about unity. Right? The fact that Pastor Jeff just talked about this blueprint, right? We, well, I appreciate the credit, but really it's, it's about unity. It's about bringing people, organizations, and churches together to do good. To do good. It's missional. Doing good together. It's what it, it's all about. Go Beyond is missional. It's about putting our hands to and doing the work of the mission. It's been a fantastic vehicle of uniting people around a common goal. Right? But who, are, who, who are we working with? Who are we trying to partner with? Or who are we trying to unite, rather? Right? I mean, it's gone from being, as I've said, in and out Sunday to being go beyond. And it's been about really seeing people in our church kind of unite together. But it's grown to this thing where now not only is our church un- united, but other churches are united. Other people groups are united. Other organizations are united. And we're seeing the purposes of this thing go, uh, about go beyond go from being just a, a little thing that we did at our church to being this great thing that we see within our community. And so we've, we've developed this purpose statement where we say, hey, Go Beyond is a church-based initiative. It's a church-based initiative. That way, when organizations and people partner with us, they know what, what, what our goal is. We're a church, and our initiatives are so. Weird. It's a church-based initiative. To what? To encourage, to organize, and mobilize people to better our community through acts of service. And we've seen lots of different types of people and different organizations get behind that. Get behind that. And not just because we're a church, but because they can get behind good. Organizations love doing good. There are lots of organizations out there doing good, right? But we are a church-based initiative, a gospel-centered entity seeking to do this good. And one of the great things that's happened over the last two to three years, something that didn't happen initially, is the churches are coming together. <laughs> I didn't grow up in the church, um, but once I got saved and as I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus and I'm becoming more and more acclimated to the church, man, churches don't work together. They don't. And I work for, I work for an organization. I'm a sales director for a software company that builds, supports, and maintains software for churches. So I work with churches every day. And I see the disunity. I see it. I hear it. And there's not a whole lot that churches can, can agree on. <laughs> and for good reason, there's some good things out there that should separate us on some level, right? What we believe and where we stand on some core issues. But what we've seen with Go Beyond is we've seen it unite churches. Because you know why? Because we can all agree that doing good is important. Doing good is important. And so what we've done uh, with Go Beyond is that we've kind of classified or created these categories of, of, of uh, people and organizations so we know uh, at Go Beyond what, what the relationship responsibility is with us and what the relationship responsibility is with them so that way every, all parties involved can understand the level of, of unity or, or what they're unified with. And so it's helped us. It's really has helped us understand what we're committed to here. And so the first type of people that we serve or work with at with Go Beyond is we have patrons. We have people that serve alongside us 
You know, they may show up to an event. They may clean the trash with us. They may be an organization that isn't necessarily a faith-based organization or a Christian organization, but they're an organization. They're a patron. They believe in the good. They believe in connecting with us. They believe in getting behind us and doing good with us. And so we, we just call them patrons, people that we partner with, people that we, um, you know, can rub shoulders with, serve, and head in, this, in, the, in a common direction with. Paul even talks about these types of people or a particular type of person. He actually uses the word patron in Romans 16. He says, I commend you to our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church. Welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her with whatever she needs. She has been a faithful patron. Faithful patron. You may not know her. You may have never heard of her. But when she comes, welcome her. She's a faithful patron. She is a sister. She is a a partner in what we have. And so we have, we have patrons that we work with. We also have partners. We have patrons, we have partners. These people are the churches. These are the faith-based organizations. These are people in common faith that are outside of our Harvest Lancaster family. Guess where you fit? Right here. You're a partner. You're a partner. You are a not just a patron, heading in the right direction around good, you're a partner. You believe what we believe. You share in the common goal of seeing the gospel taking to the lost. You are a partner. You're a gospel partner. You're a go-beyond partner. And so these types of people, like Paul says in Romans 16, he goes on to talk about fellow workers in Christ Jesus. He says, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers. They've risked their necks for my life. (laughs) They were important to Paul. You're important to us. You risk your necks alongside us. You are fellow workers in Christ Jesus. You are partnering with us through Go Beyond to see a common goal, see a common outcome, and that is that others come to faith. Others accept the gospel. Others come into this gathering, call this place home. You're looking for the results that we're, that we're looking for. You are partners. Amen? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's awesome. Walking here with a Go Beyond shirt, and people are like, Hey, I know that. It's, it's something you can, you can identify with, right? It's, it's common, right? So I was go beyond shirt, and I was like, I'm in the right place. I'm in the right place. We have patrons. We have partners. We have participants. These are people within the Harvest Lancaster family. These are our small groups, our staff, our pastors. These people lead us, work with us, carry out the mission with us, they are participants. These are the people within our church. They participate with us. They believe in what we're doing. They believe in where we're going. They provide for the mission. They participate in the mission. These are the participants. These are the core people at our church. You are the participants here. This is your mission. You're using Go Beyond to further the mission and to allow others to see the light of Jesus. Paul goes on to mention in Romans 16, I mean, there's a whole list of people there people that he cares about, people that he loves, people that he is concerned with, and he's making mention of every single one of them within this church, the specific church that he mentions there in the beginning of the text. But they've been a huge part of the mission, a huge part of the mission. We have patrons, we have partners, we have participants, and lastly, we have politicians. I I knew that was going to be a hot one coming to D.C. I was like, man, I'm going to cross that one out. But no, we have, we have politicians. One of the cool things that we do every year um, is that we, uh, we serve the police in our city lunch. 
We have a group of people. They go to the, to the police barracks. They, we provide the lunch. We provide the people. We serve it. They just have to come in and eat. We pray with them. We encourage them. We even have police officers in our church. We've had politicians come to, come to our church, and we've prayed for them. We state our case and let them know where we stand on, on core issues. But you know why they listen? Because of our, of our reputation. Right? They may not believe what we believe. I mean, everyone in Lancaster calls himself a Christian. If you've been to Lancaster, I mean, it's like there's a church on every corner. But our participating with these politicians and sharing our faith with them because of our reputation, has afforded us an opportunity we wouldn't have otherwise had, right? But it's important to understand that we have a, a level, while sometimes distant, we have a level of relationship with these types of folks. Go Beyond is an, is an amazing, an amazing thing. We've seen it grow from this small, little, like, serve event to being like this big like out of this world, as Pastor Jeff called it, template, where other churches are adopting it. Other churches are like, we got to do that. We want to do that. We want to see those same results. What results? Trash picked up? Bottles stuffed? Diapers provided? Meals packed? No. No, we've seen other churches say, we want to see the same impact that you've seen so that we can share the gospel, so that we can see others come to faith, so that we can see others transformed the way we've been transformed. And Paul says to Titus, he says, look, grace, uh, for the grace of God has been, been uh, revealed and salvation has been brought to all people. That is the goal. That is what God is providing. He's providing salvation through, through Jesus Christ. And it is the good works, the zeal of, of our good works that identifies us, allow our testimony in Jesus to be seen, allows our light to shine, allow others to see what we've been um, given and allows us to share the gospel that we also have accepted and that is the heartbeat that is the purpose that is the reason why we do what we do that is the reason why we do good works that is the zeal we have the passion we have is fueled by the gospel and the results of our zeal are the good works that we do look i am standing here as a testimony i'm a testimony of this my life has been transformed by the gospel. I accepted Jesus Christ back in 2005. My life has been radically transformed because someone took the time, someone had the zeal, someone had the passion to take the gospel into his workplace to, trans to help transform my life through his message. And my life has been radically transformed. I have been set free from worldly passions, ungodliness, and I live an upright and self-controlled godly life. Why? Not because of a salvation I've earned, but because of a salvation that's been revealed to me through the zealous good works of another faithful individual. The Great Commission calls us to go and do, do the good work, do the good work together. Do the good work together. Harvest Lancaster is behind you. We support you. We are working together to see this world changed. It's an audacious thing, but Jesus said, I will build my church, and we stand behind that. You're the church. I'm the church. And the work that we do good together helps to be the light on the hill that Jesus talked about in Matthew. And so the challenge this morning is don't stop doing what you're doing. Continue doing good. Continue seeing your impact go further and further every year. Don't get discouraged by changes or, or hiccups or bumps in the road because there will be some. But continue to be zealous for the good work of God because the good work of God results in people like me, people like you being radically transformed by the gospel and their lives never being the same ever again.
That's the goal of Go Beyond. Are you up for the challenge? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we, um, gosh, we are so thankful. So thankful, Lord, that you revealed your gospel to us. So thankful that it wasn't hidden in a place where we would be unable to find it. There's no journey we could take to look for it. Lord, you have come to us. You left the 99 and you came to each and every one of us, Lord. And if there are those that are here today that have not been transformed by the gospel, I pray that they would believe and trust that right now that you are working in their lives, you are working on their heart, and that they would bend their knee and trust you like never before. I can testify, I can, I can proclaim with all confidence that you are true, that you are living, that you are not made of wood and stubble, you are not made and fashioned by the hands of man, but you have been living since eternity past and you will live forever. And so Lord, we thank you that Go Beyond is but a blip on the radar of bigger things that you're doing since, since, since Jesus rose from the dead. He is building the church. We are a part of that mission. We're so thankful that something like Go Beyond would even be considered good, and you are using it to further your purposes, to further your kingdom, and to grow and do some amazing things in our midst. And so I pray for Harvest Fairfax. I pray that, that you would open doors. I pray that you would make hearts fertile. And I pray that the efforts of Go Beyond wouldn't end when the trash hits the bag or when the grass is cut or when the paint dries, but that the end would be when the gospel is preached, a heart is transformed and fruit is manifested. And so we're so thankful this morning, thankful for an opportunity to share your word, thankful for an opportunity to hear from it, and thankful that your Holy Spirit is here teaching us from it. We love you, Lord. And we're so thankful you loved us first. We pray in Jesus' name.